You know, one of the great paradoxes of our faith is that Jesus would enter Jerusalem with crowds waving palm fronds and shouting, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, and less than a week later, they would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. We have spent much of this season of Lent talking about the paradoxes that we find in the Bible. In truth, there are many things that can confound us, where what Jesus says and what the world does collide. We've heard that we're to love our enemies, not what the world teaches, that we are to give rather than receive, that we are to trust God in our worst moments rather than blame God. That we are to be satisfied being in last place and a servant to all. And all of this flies in the face of what the world teaches. And today's teaching can be just as confusing. And for that teaching today, we are going to turn to the greatest commandment. We all know it. We learn it as children early on in our faith journey. Love God and love our neighbor. But in Matthew's gospel... It's a little bit expanded beyond that, and I'd like to read to you from that gospel today. This is how Matthew explains the great commandment as spoken by Jesus. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. At this point, you might be thinking, come on, Pam. You always talk about love your neighbor, love your neighbor. Are you going to go on another love your neighbor rant? Pastor Bob just spoke about this in the last two or three months. This Bible, this Bible is so filled with many verses. Why do you keep repeating the same ones? Well, I'm repeating the greatest commandment today. Because we often gloss over two of the words that I just read to you. Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And we fly right past the as yourself, but that's where we're going to focus our attention today. And it's even a little bit clearer if we look at the way that verse is translated in the message where it says, love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Yes, indeed, we are supposed to love ourselves. You might look at me and say, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. Jesus says take last place, do things for other people. Jesus doesn't teach us to love ourselves. But that, in part, is because we confuse, we confuse the way the world teaches us to love ourselves with the way Jesus teaches us to love ourselves, When the world teaches us to love ourselves, it says, especially when we turn on TV and we see the advertisements, or we're looking at billboards, it says, love yourself by buying this car, because if you own this car, you have arrived, and the chicks dig it. The advertisement on TV says, buy this face cream, or buy this clothing line because it will prevent you from aging. Love yourself that way. 
The advertisements in the newspaper say, buy a house in this neighborhood because if you buy here, you've arrived and the world will know it. The world says, accumulate wealth so you can buy all that stuff that your heart desires because that's how you love yourself. Gain power over others, even if it means you have to climb over their backs to gain that power, to show that you have status, that you have power, that you are important. And you might be thinking right now, well, that's not what Jesus taught. And you're absolutely right, it's not. The words spoken by Jesus teach exactly the opposite. He told the rich young ruler, sell your stuff and give it away. He told his disciples after they were bickering over who was the greatest among them that the first would be last and they should seek to be last. Paul interpreted Jesus' teaching this way in his letter to the church at Philippi. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And then, adding to the confusion, Jesus tells us on one hand, love your neighbor as you love yourself, but in his very next breath, in Luke chapter 14, he says these words. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, you might be thinking right about now, wait a second. How am I supposed to love myself and hate my life? But we have to understand when we read that text that Jesus was teaching in a style that the rabbis often used. He was speaking in hyperbole. He was exaggerating. He was trying to get his listeners' attention by shocking them. Jesus doesn't really want us to hate our lives. He might want us to hate our lives if we're living them the worldly way so that we will live them the godly way. But when Jesus said those words, what he was really trying to teach us was that we should love God so much that by comparison, and the text said, by comparison, it almost seems like hating ourselves. But that's not really what he wants us to do. He wants us to love our life and love ourselves in a godly way. Loving ourselves in the biblical way can be hard to understand. If we turn to the book of Proverbs, we will read a verse in chapter 19 that says, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. It's one of the few places where the Bible actually has the words love yourself together. Not worldly wisdom, not degrees, not certificates, not diplomas, but godly wisdom. And Jesus actually teaches us how to learn that godly wisdom by his own example. What does he do? How many times in scripture do we read that Jesus withdrew from the crowds? He observed the Sabbath. He rested. He allowed himself to rest. He observed the Sabbath not by 
going to a ball game or having a good time, but by connecting to God through prayer. What comes to mind when I think of that kind of connection to God is the 23rd Psalm. You know, it conjures up an image of lying in a still green pasture, walking quietly along still waters, talking to God who comforts us and restores our soul. But sometimes we hear the words of the 23rd Psalm so often that we don't really rest in them and think about what they mean. And so I found a, a writing that paraphrases, if you will, or expands upon the 23rd Psalm. It was written by a man named William Galtieri in 1992 in a book called A Walk With Your Shepherd. This book was designed for people who were going through a 12-step program. Either they were addicted to drugs or alcohol or sex or gambling. And this writing was designed to help them seek God to overcome whatever their addiction was. And I'd like to share it with you because I think it has a lot of meaning for a lot of us in many facets of our lives. The Lord alone is the shepherd I need, for without him I can't imagine my life. In his greener pasture my soul does feed, in him I trust and lay down without strife. I drink from the still waters of his love. Then I look close to see me as he can. When I fall, I call for help from above, and he restores me to my feet again. He guides me to the path that's right for me. To all other paths, I must say no. Though the path goes through a long, dark valley, I won't fear since he's there with me to help me grow. With his rod, he disciplines me wisely and helps me set boundaries that protect. With his staff, he always guides me safely and inspects me when I pass under it. He leads me up to a mountain plateau. There are enemies there I must forgive. His oil heals and anoints so I can grow. His cup for me overflows so I can give. My steps back home I know I can retrace because he follows and has made me new. In life's journey, I look to shepherd's face and he guides me to home all the way through. When we seek God in that way, we are indeed loving ourselves. But Jesus wasn't all about quiet and rest and reflection and Sabbath. Jesus also loved himself by cultivating friendships. Remember the story? He went to a wedding, a celebration. It was a great celebration. There was a lot of wine flowing, and they ran out, and he turned water into wine. It was his first sign. He was there with friends and with family. Jesus also loved himself by allowing himself to grieve when it was time to do so. The shortest, ver the shortest verse in the Bible, two words. Jesus wept. And so we too can love ourselves when we weep, when we laugh, when we play, when we seek God's face. When we love ourselves the biblical way, the Jesus way, we have our eye on eternity. It's not about instant gratification, it's about eternal gratification. We attain wisdom that helps us live in the world without being of the world. 
by God's grace and in our faith, we eventually take place in God's heavenly realm. Now you might say to me, but I'm not that lovable. I've done terrible things and I can't forgive myself. We look back, I look back sometimes and I think about the time I got angry and said words that I couldn't take back rather than turning to God and saying, God, please calm my anger. I look back at times when I wasn't as generous as I should have been. I look back at times when I neglected the people who loved me the most and I think it's unforgivable and I'm not lovable and God says, stop. That is not true. Let me illustrate this for you. Here's a $50 bill. Ulysses S. Grant's face is on this bill. Who'd like to have it? Oh, come on, you got to help me here a little bit. Okay, there, good. Some of you would like to have it. Why would you like to have it? Because it has value. You can buy groceries with it. You can buy gas with it. And on a good Sunday, you could throw it in the plate. Right? It's nice and crisp and new. But suppose it's all crumpled up. Now you can't even see that it's a bill, and Ulysses' face is hiding. Who would like this $50 bill? I see hands going up all over. Why would you like it? Because Ulysses' face is still on it. It still buys groceries and gas, and it still goes very well in the offering plate. Now I'm going to throw it on the floor, and I'm going to stomp on it, and I'm going to get all my shoe dirt on it, probably tear it. Yep, now it's torn. I broke it. I made it dirty. How many of you would still like this $50 bill? Good, you're smart. Why would you like it? Because it still has value. Even though it's dirty and wrinkled and broken, and yes, indeed, a little bit torn, it still has value. See, you're God's $50 bill. Instead of having Ulysses S. Grant imprinted upon you, you have God's image imprinted on you. And God finds that very lovable. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that when we think about loving ourselves. We are crumpled and broken and wrinkled, but we're loved because God says so. We're loved because God created us in God's own image, male and female alike, we're loved enough to be redeemed and ransomed and purchased with the blood of Christ on the cross. A day that we'll remember this Good Friday. Jesus said, love our neighbors as well as we love ourselves. Now there are days when I don't love myself much and in those days I need to remember that God says, that you and I are his children, people of immense value and worth. That means we're not the sum of our sins. That means we have to learn to forgive ourselves and love ourselves the Jesus debt way, not the worldly way. Love yourself by seeing yourself through God's eyes, by seeing yourself through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, by looking in the mirror and seeing reflected God's promise 
of eternal love and life. Then and only then should you share love with your neighbor. Because that's real love. That's sacrificial love. That's the Jesus kind of love. You see, we can't give away what we don't have. In order for us to store up a well of love inside, we have to learn to love ourselves the Jesus way. And then, my friends, when you do that, then you can walk out the door of this sanctuary and you can share that love with a neighbor because it's real and it's true and it reflects the image of God. Let us